0: see some of us are still tired y'all get your coffee ready okay we're gonna get some energetic for this Super Bowl Sunday (laughs) so usually for the youth um we ask a question to get everybody engaged in the service beforehand so I would ask y'all a question but there's a little too many of us for all of us to answer okay so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna ask a question and on the count of three we're all gonna say it out loud you gotta say it loud enough to where I can hear it and I'll pick some of my favorites Okay, on the count of three, I want you all to all say your favorite worship song, okay? One, two, three. Okay, I didn't catch a single one, but that sounded amazing. It was like harmony over here, I don't know, like some of y'all said the same one. I <laughs> so I just want to welcome y'all and say welcome to Youth Sunday. We are so happy to see all these bright faces here this morning. Um... We hope you enjoy the service with our wonderful pastor, and um, Pastor Chris is going to come up and pray for us.
1: Amen, amen. amen. Listen, I'm excited that you're here, and if usually she has a sidekick, his name's Asa, he is sick this morning, running fever, along with my daughter and a couple other kids, so y'all remember those that are sick. Um, usually, I would let um, Asa lead in prayer, so I just wanted y'all to know that that's what he does, Asa Starks, so I'll be doing that for him. Is that cool? All right, let's pray. Dear only Father, we want to first thank you for this wonderful place that we come to worship you. Lord, we are thankful that you give us this place, Lord, where we can assemble together, Lord God, in your presence. And Lord God, I know that in our spirits, when we're together, that we grow. Right now, Lord God, I ask you, bless this service, Lord God, let your anointings just invade this place. Let it be something that we feel, not only your presence, but we know that you're here, Lord God. Help each and every student as they do and lead and sing. Lord God, let us follow what you have for us. Lord God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, For now, I usually go to what we call Minute Mingle. And the reason I call it Minute Mingle is because I don't know if you guys noticed, but kids like to talk. And if I said we're going to go to just everybody greeting everybody, we would do it for 37 minutes. So I was like, all right, we're going to do a minute mingle. Well, there's a little bit more of us here today, so I'm going to do a two-minute mingle, 120 seconds, okay? So for the next two minutes, go greet somebody, give them a high five, tell them you're glad to see them.
0: Welcome to Student Takeover. We are so excited to be here with you and your Minute, family. C, 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 That's C, C, where the
1: student. It starts at the head and works its way down. You guys want to keep talking. Find your way to your seats. What I want to do is I want to just direct your attention to our announcement video. So if you would, watch the screens.
0: guys, welcome to Student Takeover. We are so excited to be here with you and your family. We're here to do announcements, and the first one is on February 17th, there is a Mercer basketball game that you can enjoy with you and your family. See the info booth for tickets. On February 18th, we have our Awaken Parent Meeting. If you're going on the trip, we can't wait to see you there on February 18th. We also have flag football for youth versus staff and enjoy free hot dogs, but no service tonight because of this. On February 25th, we will have water baptism for you and your family to get baptized, so we would like for you and your family to join us. All this information can be found on ChristChapelMacon.com or our Instagram and Facebook at ChristChapelMacon or even the best RCC app. Can't wait to see you at the game.
1: we go into our offering time,
2: I just wanted to remind you guys, um, of course, last week was first uh, Sunday in February, and we typically give our 9-8 offering on that day, so if you happen to miss it,
1: if one of my ushers, a couple of my ushers could be at each of the doors, don't forget, um, this is the time of our 9-8 offering, so if you wanted to give specifically to that, we wanted to make sure you had the opportunity, and I'll let the rest of the youth have it. Now, for offering, this is what I've learned to do, and I'm thinking it's like the Pentecostal side of me. I think everybody should stand for offering, so everybody go ahead and stand, and um, I've learned that this actually helps because I know that the guys usually have their wallets in the back pockets, and um, when we're standing, it's so much easier to grab than when you're seated and you're sitting on your wallet. I'm just kidding. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have um, students and some of our um, Officiators out here bring it the offering plates and they're going to play a song and afterwards um, Luke Cox is going to come up and pray over offering
3: All my words for short So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, because all that I have is a heart. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for a wonderful day
4: and we thank you for the anointing of all of these wonderful gifts. We ask for these tides to be blessed by you and we ask for the abundance of them and what we give to you and that you give back to us and the wonderful love that you will always have for us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, stay standing and uh, you can make your way back to the front. We're going to go into our praise and worship. Thank yeah. you. This last song we're going to sing, it's called Have My Heart. And it's a song about just surrendering everything in your life, everything that you have, everything that you wanted, giving it all to Jesus. Telling Jesus that he can have your heart, that's not something that's just said lightly. And that means, Jesus, you can, have, you can have my plans, you can have my emotions, you can have my dreams. Everything belongs to you. I want this youth to be a generation that says, Jesus, you can have everything that I am. You can have everything within me. Jesus, you lead our lives. So Jesus, as we sing this next song, I just surrender everything to you. I give my life all to you. You can have it all. You can have my plans. You can have my dreams. Everything belongs to you, Jesus.
5: If you want my heart, you got it. You got it.
1: you agree with that statement, you deserve it all, why don't you just lift a hand up? Say, I agree. I agree. And if God is your king, he's your Lord, he's your savior, why don't you put your other hand together and let's lift up a praise of worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. God, we love you. Amen. What I'd love to do is I'd love to pray to seal this moment because I believe the Lord is here. I believe it. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you, Lord, for being in this place. The King of Kings, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, Lord God. You take time to be with us, Lord God. Thank you for this worship team. Thank you for the anointings, the gifts, the talents that you've given them, Lord. Thank you. But Lord God, I ask also that you bless this service, bless this time together so that we, Lord God, can grow closer to you and be stronger in you, Lord God, and we can find you where we need you, Lord God. We love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you would, if you would, I want you to try to put your hands together so loud because this is our worship team for the youth group. They were nervous. Amen. Amen. They were they were so nervous. So I'm I'm happy that um that you guys did that for them. They I know now they probably are going, thank goodness this is done, you know, because they were like they were breathing heavy. And I don't know if you noticed this, but I actually was nervous for them too. Like I don't know, is it They're not my kids, but they feel like it on these days if you know what I mean You go ahead and have a seat students. Thank you so much for coming up and join with them You actually made their night or their day because it's daytime. Thank you so much I'm gonna have to get the pulpit because I normally get the pulpit and i'm up here So here I go. Just just tossed amongst yourselves The devil's a lie. Go ahead. Just discuss that Be just a second i'm coming All right, all right, all right, all right. Let me put my my, my phone, because you know how us young people are. (laughs) Student takeover. All right, um, I want to first and foremost want to welcome you um, to student takeover. We have students involved in every aspect of the service today. If you don't realize it, we had greeters, we had people pray over offering, we had Every one of the band members were students. The singers were bam, I mean a youth, except for Joseph, he's getting old. And then in the back, we have students running sound, running, you know, working with lights. And then, Charles took a vacation, which he loves cruises. So he's on cruise, and guess what? We have students running the, the, uh, the lyrics and the videos and all this good stuff. Isn't that awesome? I believe. I believe that our future is in pretty good hands if you look at this today's service, considering that they've actually went pretty good. You know, we haven't had had any hiccups. You know, my mic's working, which is awesome, because it could go out any moment. You know how the devil is, he likes to rear his head. But I want to first of all thank the students, thank the worship team for doing all the hard work. They practiced two or three days just to make sure y'all could hear them, and, and I tried to like scare them pre, you know, like I'd walk behind them and be like, boo, and, you know, just to get them to loosen up. So hopefully that worked. But um, I'm excited to be here. Um, first, next thing I want to do is I want to thank Pastor. Pastor John, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and the students the opportunity to be in the main sanctuary. Um, we do do this every Sunday night now. Um, but to do it on big stage really means a lot to them. Um, we're investing to, is the way I look at it into the students of today. Um, what I would like to do is before I start is I'd love to pray for myself and I would love for you to join me. Um, so if you would, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you to thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. I know that standing before your people, Lord God, is, is a big task, Lord, and I know that, that it's, it, it needs to be Looked on as, as something of that nature, Lord God. But what I know, Lord, is that I'm, I'm a terrible communicator. Lord God, I, I, sometimes I say things I shouldn't. Sometimes I, 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 I talk to country. And there's just so many things, Lord God. But I know that, Lord God, if you can use a donkey, then I'm in pretty good hands. So I'm going to just believe that you are here. I give myself to you, Lord God. Like the song says, if you can use anything, Lord, use me today to portray your word. And your anointing is what I ask for, Lord God. I, I don't want words to change. I want your anointing to change. Thank you. All right. Sorry I get a little emotional when the spirit's moving. I'm, you know, and it's here. Um, I want to share with you today because today is considered a big day for football. Everybody knows that today is the Super Bowl, and um, I know that we have two teams that have fought hard to get into a spot, one of those being the San Francisco 49ers, and the other is the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, who has the 49ers? Go ahead, put your hands together if you're 49ers fan. Okay, all right. All right, and what about Kansas City Chiefs? Put your hands together. You know, I've I noticed I noticed there was a lot more lady sound in that second one, and I'm thinking there might be something to that considering there's Swifties. It's, I don't know if you noticed, but even our countdown video was a football one. Did you see one of the facts? It said Taylor Swift should be able to make it to the Super Bowl because Japan's 17 hours difference. I was like, why is that even in there? It don't matter. She's a singer, he's a football player. She don't love Jesus. I do. I mean, come on. Okay, oh, I forgot to ask. Who don't care who wins the Super Bowl? Let's hear it. (laughs) Oh, there's so many reasons that today's a big day, but I believe this is a big day not just for the players there, but for the team as a whole. You see, as I was preparing to speak today, I thought about the game and and what it takes to get there, the preparation, the planning, getting things together so that things are organized. I mean, as I was doing my research, did you know that before any game is played that there's work put in? You see, the owner of the team has to hire a general manager and that general manager has to hire a coach and that coach has to hire assistant managers, assistant coaches. On top of that, the coaches has to either pick or hire an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach, a defensive back's coach, a running back's coach, a receiver's coach. And then the GM hires a small army of scouts. The general manager hires a maybe a chief strategy officer. And all these things happen, and are accounted for before a game even is played. There's a lot of time, a lot of effort put in into these decisions. It's not something taken lightly. And then we still have more to go. That's what's crazy to me. Is I was like, I was thinking, you know, just the manager hires a couple people, gets players, let's go. Nah. Listen to this. All before the game's played. The scouts and coaches spend hours watching game film. The scouts and coaches go to countless little games. They attend senior bowls. They go to NFL combines. They attend pro days. They go to showcase camps. Not only that, but they also reach out to consultants. There's an actual college advisory committee that they go to. There's an analytics company that they pay millions to analyze their team and their what they need. There's professional football advisors that they hire on. I mean, they pay big money for all this and they ain't even picked a player out yet. I mean, you got to think what a head coach makes, what the assistant coach makes, what all these coaches makes, what the scouts make, the, all these salaries are put together. And then they spend millions on analytics and strategies and all these things. And it's millions of dollars, many resources. And all this is for What? is to have the best team to be successful and to get and maybe even be in the Super Bowl. You gotta think about it, they spend so much money, so much time, so many resources, not to guarantee their spot in the Super Bowl for a chance. To put their best foot forward. They might win. Spending all that money for a maybe. And as I was researching, I realized that in life, we are missing out. We should maybe implement similar strategies into our life. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Chris? I'm glad you asked. I know you didn't come here today for a football lesson or a lesson on how footballs are formed, but I believe that there is something that we, as Christians, can glean from this. I believe our lives are as important as any football game. I believe my life, in fact, I don't know if you do, but I believe my life's important as a Super Bowl. And I'm sure that you will agree with me that, that it's, something we don't need to take lightly, really. So my question is, why don't we put a lot of thought to who's on our team? Think about it. And I know I relate with students a lot, but a lot of times students don't put a lot of time to who's on their team. Now, what do you mean by team, Pastor Chris? Well, I mean your friends. Your, your people that are around you, people surrounding you, why, why do we not put a lot of time? I mean, if we're important like a Super Bowl and they spend millions and they have dedicated people for every strategy and every, why are we not picky? Why do we just kind of go with the flow? I tell my students and my, my kids, everybody all the time, if you don't choose your friends, The devil will be happy to send you some. And there's a good reason why. We need to be intentional on who we let in on our teams, like those owners of football players are, football teams. You see, the influence that you allow will determine your destiny. Do you hear me? The influence that you allow will determine your destiny. You need to pick your friends, your team carefully. In fact, since we're in church, I know that we want to know, does the Bible say anything about this? Yes, absolutely. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says this, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wicked? How can light live with darkness? You see, the Bible says we need to realize as That unbelievers, that the wicked, that the darkness has no place with you. There's your first clue. Now, I know a lot of people hear that scripture and they're like, this is for your relationship. And I agree. But I also think it also trickles down into our friends too. Because I know right now that if you choose poor friends and poor people to be around you, then I can, you ain't winning the Super Bowl. In fact, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We need to put just as much time, just as much resources, just as much thought into who we let in on our team. Well, how do you do this? Good question. Again, the Bible has something to say about this as well. I'm going to start off with Proverbs 11:14. It says this, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors now there's also another one right there in Proverbs 24 6 says don't go to war without wise guidance victory depends on having many advisors now I want to kind of change the words up you know instead of the NLT it's the Chris Weeks version it says don't go to the Super Bowl don't go to these things don't go to life without what wise guidance because your victory depends on having many advisors I believe that this scripture is important I think that we need to grab on to it as soon as we can understand it and say, God, I need to have people in my life that speak God, that speaks the Bible, that loves me not just for what I can do for them, but because they love me like God loves me. Now, there's people all around that you can choose from. One important person is usually your parents. But if there isn't parents in your life and guardians aren't the greatest examples, there's always youth leaders and pastors that you can glean from, you can ask and go to. We need to have advisors. The Bible has some great examples of choosing great friends and if you don't mind, I'd love to share it with you. As two of those, is that okay? Everybody good? Scripture. Luke five seventeen twenty says, "This, are you ready?" And my um, eight year old asked me why I have such a big iPad. I told him I was blind. <laughs> I can't look at a phone and read scriptures up, so I have to get this huge iPad. All right, here we go. Jesus heals a man let down through the roof of his house. Now, in one of those days, while Jesus was teaching, some proud religious lawkeepers and teachers of the law were sitting by him. They had come from every town in the countries of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was there to heal them. Some of the men took a man that was not able to move his body to Jesus. He was carried on a bed. They looked for a way to take the man into the house where Jesus was, but they could not find a way to take him in because of so many people. They made a hole in the roof where Jesus stood. Then they let the bed with the sick man on it down before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, "'Friend, your sins are forgiven.'" Now I want to stop right there. First and foremost, I don't give you a reason why he's laying on the bed, motionless. Now, um, as a student pastor, I can imagine he was probably with those friends and did something stupid. You know, like I'm going to ride this donkey backwards down a mountain with a blindfold and they were like do it and he was like okay and then he fell off broke his neck and they're like oh my goodness and so they put him on a bit you see where I go this is why kids I think like me because I tell these crazy stories I add but listen I want to there's a serious point here I'm a lot like pastor is I I try to get you in laughing and stuff because what's happened is, is he's got friends that didn't just leave him when times were tough You got to think, he's laying on a bed, he's motionless. What can he do for them? They didn't care. They heard about Jesus, they said, I don't know what we got to do, but we're going to take you down there, my friend. Don't worry. And they grab the sides of the beds and they run down there. Then they get there and, like, whoo, packed house. Ain't no way we're getting to Jesus. Let's go back home. I'm sorry, man. We love you. We took you all the way there and it's just too full. Did they say that? No. In fact, My question is to you is, do you have friends that would destroy private property to get you to Jesus? Now, I know you're laughing, but it's true. Do you have friends that would do something just to make sure you get close to Jesus? Do you have friends that will grab your hand and drag you through the mud to get you to Jesus? Because that's who you need around you. And that's what I'm worried about is we just let friends come into our lives and they trickle on in and they're not those friends. That's not the only story I want to share with you today even though it's a good one. Listen to this. Second Kings 5, 9-14 is the story of Naaman. So Naaman went to his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go, wash yourself Seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry, stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over my leprosy and call on the name of the Lord. And bam, I'm healed. I'm sorry, I'm kind of adding to that. Aren't the rivers of Damascus better than any rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, hey. If the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done that? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go wash in the river and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times, and as the man of God instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Now I know ladies right now are going, which river? Which which one was that? (laughs) Because even myself, you know, was like, we need to find this Jordan River exactly where he went and dipped seven times. No, no, listen up, guys. Listen, this is important. Do you surround yourself with people that will reason with you when you're not doing God's will? When God tells you to do something and you say, Hey, he told me to do this, I don't know, that sounds stupid to me. And they're like, wait a minute, Jesus told you to do that? God said you you feel like you need to do that? Then then what are you doing? What kind of friends are you surrounding with? Are they, are they listening to you? Are they supporting you? Are they filling you with scripture? Are they praying with you? Are they dipping you in the river? Naaman was disappointed when the prophet said to go to the Jordan River which when he describes it, it sounds like the Old Mogi. He was disappointed. I don't know about you, but I've been disappointed when God's told me to do something. There's been times where I didn't want to do what God said because it hurt my feelings or it made me feel less than. But thankfully, God puts people in your lives that can speak some truth. When you're married, maybe it's your wife. When when you're young, maybe it's your BFF. But it's important that you realize who surrounds. I thought it was really cool when I read through the story that it wasn't just his friends, it was people he worked with. What do you mean? Well, it says down here, it says It says that the officers tried to reason Wait a minute, officers? That means it was people he worked with. Have you thought about trying to have Christians work with you? Maybe inviting them to church? Maybe giving them the invitation to come to church so that your co-workers might could be like this for you? It's just a question. Now I got one more story. Now this one's not as uh, great because I love when the Bible gives us good examples, but it also gives us bad examples. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm about to tell you a story. It's going to be crazy. Listen to this. Do you have friends in your life that convince you to do what God tells you to do? What about this? What about, do you have a friend like Jonadab? 2 Samuel 13 talks about Jonadab, um, and I'm going to read that to you real quick. Now, David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and Am- Amnon fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never be with her or have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend. I'm going to say that again. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin, Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother, Shemiah. And one day, Jonadab said to Amnon, "'What is your trouble?' Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Annan told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, well, I'll tell you what you do. Go back to bed and pretend that you're ill. And when your father comes to check on you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you feel better if she prepares it and if you watch and feed you with her own hands. Now, I'm not going to go on with the story because it just goes on and on. It gets worse and worse. But what I do want to tell you about is that you can have ungodly friends. You see, Jonadab was not a good influence. He suggested that his friend lie, the very first thing he said. Lie, so you can get Tamar alone and to take advantage of her. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the type of friends that I feel like the devil's going to send your way, the crafty ones. There's a reason I read that twice. Because what happens is, as we as carnal beings, we kind of like, mm, what now? I know y'all are the same way. When you hear some little bit of gossip, what do you do? What? I've caught myself doing it. Somebody be talking about somebody. What, what y'all talking about? What? What? And it's, it's, it's a natural response, but what happens is, is we have to realize when things are godly and ungodly. See, when that crafty friend, Jonadab, showed up and said, listen, this is what you need to do. And you're like, what? what do I need to do? And he says, you need to pretend you're ill. As soon as he says that, you need to cut it short. Pretend I'm ill. What are you talking about? That is lying. I'm not that person. And get behind me, Satan. Because, see, we like to entertain things because that don't sound that bad. Oh, pretend you're ill. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. I'm ill anyway. I'm lovesick. I feel it. Do You feel it too? You know, like, and all of a sudden you go and lay down, and then you get her to make, and you're loving it, right? Because you're in love with Tamar, so you're like, oh, I love all this attention. Thank you so much. And you just, Ugh. But all of a sudden, you're actually entertaining things that aren't good. And if you go on, he ends up taking advantage of Tamar. Why? Because Jonadab gave him the influence to do something that wasn't good when he should have cut it from the beginning. And see, that's where we can learn from this story because when we are adding people to our team, I know in football terms when somebody gets out there and they don't perform, guess what they do? They cut them. They get rid of them because they're not adding to the productivity of what's going on. And in your life, there comes a time where you have to cut some things loose as well. And I'm not talking about just friends, but things on your team, people that influence you. You have to take account. You have to say, is it productive? Is it godly? Is it pointing me in the right direction? And if it's not, you have to say, I'm sorry, you have hit the cut list. You're gone. Because that is what a professional team would do. And I'm going, hey, if they're smart enough, spend millions. And the Lord's telling me right here in this story that if we do some wrong things, it can lead little by little to a horrible deed. I read this whole week story after story after story about where um, an owner decided to override somebody in the system. You know what I mean? Like the, the defensive coordinator say, no, we need this player. And the player would be pulled in from draft. And the draft, they would be like all excited because the owner got his pick, right? And then guess what? They ended up cutting after wasting millions of dollars. Resources and times on this person. Why? Because they didn't listen to the people that needs to. And I'm telling you right now, when God's talking, you need to listen to the people that you need to be listening to, which is the Lord. Because you can waste time, you can waste resources, you can waste money, and it's all because of poor decisions you're making because you're not listening to God. You see, just like these NFL teams today, we're going to play a game. And the choices that we make are going to come out while we play. In the NFL, they they wonder, did they make the right choice as quarterback? Did they make a good hire as a defensive coach? Did they take enough time to study film on other teams? You see, choices you're making is going to come out during your game play. During the time on the field. My questions for you are this. Do you look for wise counsel? Like it says in Proverbs. Do you, ref- do you refer to the handbook, which is the Bible? And most importantly, do you pick the best players? All the research I've done this past week about researching the players and how they pick them They find a place where they need something, and then they divert attention to that. For instance, if they need a quarterback, the team immediately starts looking, scouting, spending money, resources, analytics, all this stuff for a quarterback. Then they take those lists that comes out somehow or another, usually through some kind of advisory committee and there's like 11 or 12 quarterbacks that they can choose from they look to see what which ones are eligible and then they it slowly lowers down to where they get this and then what they do is they say hey which one would best fit our team which one has got the best spread offense which one is the best at this offense? which one is good at this kinda of defense because this is the defense we face most of the time there's so many things they ask but what happens is they spend all this time and all this efforts on on, on a particular thing when they see that they need that. Now let's go from the team to us. I don't know about you, but there's places where I'm the weakest. The devil can attack me the strongest. When I was growing up, I'm going to admit to you, I wasn't a big drinker. I don't relate with you, Pastor, on that. I, I seriously can count on one hand how many times I've had alcohol. Um, I wasn't much of a drug pro- I didn't do drugs except for, you know, my, like Jason has heard me say before, I, I did have a drug problem. I was drugged to church. Every time the doors were open, they'd drag me in. That's the only drug problem i ever seen. But I had a little bit, and I'm being transparent, I had a little bit of a problem with girls. I like blonde hair and blue eyes, ladies. I'm sorry, green eyes, whatever. Because her eyes change. <laughs> Y'all think I don't know the color of her eyes. No, she wears a blue shirt. Her eyes are blue. She wears a green shirt. Her eyes are green. And guess what? That was actually a prayer I put in my Bible when God, I had a youth pastor tell me. He said, write down what you want in a woman and watch the Lord make it happen. So I wrote down, listen to this. I want blonde hair, blue eyes. And then like four days later, I put slash green, either one. And the Lord was like, okay, I got you. She wears blue. She's going to have blue eyes and green. Pastor, where am I at? Where am I going? Rabbit trail, I just lost it. (laughs) All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. All right. So, I didn't have a problem with drinking, didn't have a problem with drugs. Um, I really didn't have a problem with lying because I found out early if I told the truth, it really helped. But I did like blonde hair, blue eyed girls, and the devil knows how they smell. They had to smell. You know, he had that down. He's like, I know to send her walk right by with a certain smell. And what was crazy is I knew I had that issue. Well, listen. just like that team knows they need a quarterback, well, if I know I have an issue, why don't I focus some of my time, my resources and stuff, and pray directly about that so that I'm not wasting my time and resources on a girl that's ungodly, that girl that's going to get me in trouble, a girl that's going to get all kinds of problems and I'm gonna end up having to what? Cut her from the team when I can focus my resources. I can ask my pastor to pray. I can ask my youth pastor to pray. I can ask my mom, and Dad, what do you think about this girl? What do you think? Well, let me go to the right lineup over here at church, because I know they go to church. There's things you can do that can help you line up your weaknesses so that you can be strong there as well. You just have to realize your weakness. And I'm telling you, when you do, you can say, God, I'm weak here. Help me. And he will. Just like when my kid asks for something, guess what I do? I help him. I'm not going to be like, no. I'm going to let you suffer on your own. I'm going to be like, yes, let me help you. And then I sprinkle a little help here and there. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody teach their kid to ride a bike. I've never watched a dad say, all right, we're going to get on here, take these train's off. All right, here we go. <laughs> no, you see chunky people running beside a bike at 30 miles an hour going, <laughs> you know, and you, they hold the seat. they struggle. struggling. Why are they doing that? Why are they putting themselves through it? Because they want their kid to succeed. I'm pretty sure that we're made in his image so he wants us to succeed. So I can see Jesus doing crazy things to help us too. Y'all just imagine me running, holding Landon's bike, didn't you? <sighs> Lord, have mercy and bless y'all's hearts. I'm trying to preach here, and y'all thinking about comedy. But it is the truth. We need to be careful about who's on our team. We need to be careful who we surround ourselves with. Now, here comes my favorite part of this lesson, and that's where in the Super Bowl, they would pick first-round draft picks. And um, I looked up some of them all the way from, like, 89, which is a long ways away, you know, like, I remember it like yesterday, but <laughs> kids are going 89. I wasn't even born. <laughs> These number one draft picks are always good at something. They're the best quarterback. They're the best running back. They're the best receiver. They have done miraculous things in college. They have blah, blah, blah. And um, one that came in particular that I wanted to talk about is uh, Trevor Lawrence. I looked at his just to kind of get an idea. And um it's really cool because Trevor Lawrence went to Cartersville High School and won every single game he ever played there. Never had a loss. Which is remarkable. He actually set records in Georgia for this many yards, this many receptions. You know, just you can look it up yourself. It's crazy the statistics. Then he goes to College and he plays where is anybody know of? Clemson? That's right. And guess what? There, he also did the same thing. He never lost, never lost. Won every game, set records for Clemson. And he went on into the NFL, hit Jaguars. Uh, I don't uh, hit a brick wall or something, he lost. Which gives us the best example because even the most perfect quarterback in high school and college can fail, can lose but I'm here to tell you about a player that I know you can choose for your team a player that has the best statistics that you can imagine a, bl- a player that has every imaginable ability that you can think of. In fact, like Trevor Lawrence, this player's never lost a game, ever. And when he thought he was beat, when the whole world thought he was defeated, he'd come back for a victorious win. And he won that game by a landslide. You see, this player wants to be on your team, and he wants you on his team. You see, his name's Jesus. And there is no better teammate to surround yourself with. All throughout the Bible it says that Jesus wants the best for you. All throughout the Bible it says that Jesus knows the best for you. He created you. He understands you. He makes the best teammate. He's the best choice hands down. So if you would just, just close your eyes and bow your heads, i gonna talk to you just for a second. What I want to do is I want to offer you a chance to abduct, to pick, to draft Jesus to your team and the best way to do that I've learned is this way right here, just if you would keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're sitting there right now and you're going, Lord, Lord I I want you on my team. I want to be on your team. Who cares about my team? I want to be on yours, the winning team. If you're feeling that right now, what I want you to do is I want you to look at me. Just look up. Catch eyes with me. Let me see your eyes. Amen. I see that. I see those eyes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Keep looking. I see you. 12, 13, keep looking, 14, 15, right now there's 15 of you looking at me. If y'all would, go ahead and close your eyes and look back down. Now listen, I want to tell you something, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you are saved. Now. What's crazy is when you looked up at me and you saw me, you actually did one of this two-part. You believed in your heart that you, need, that you need to be saved. So the only other thing, other option is we confess with our mouths. So what I like to do, this is kind of a student thing, but if you would do this with me, everyone, in the building, because if you're saved, then you can shout this with me. But I'd love to say the center prayer with those 15 that said, I need to be on Jesus' team. And then I know some of you guys didn't look up, but you're thinking it. So if you would, everyone, repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I know you died on the cross for my sins. Wash me with your blood. Make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer, hold on. If you said that prayer, you've done Romans 10, 9 and 10. You confess your mouth and you believe in your heart. So you are saved. And I do know, too, that in heaven, when one comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the angels rejoice. So 15, that means there's probably like a Holy Ghost hoedown going upstairs. So what we should do is probably join them by putting our hands together. Amen. <laughs> amen I'm going to let Pastor John come up and close Pastor John would you come up and close for me and remember tell them no service tonight
6: thank you Chris church family if you would allow me I just want to uh, summarize and speak to those of us uh, a little older in nature um Outside of my born-again experience, the greatest change that happened in my life is when I cut the roster of my life. I remember going into the fraternity house at Mercy University with a stack of jerseys and my brother's pin on top, and I walked in, and they said, what's what's this? Holy roll. John got Jesus. What what are you doing? I said, I just, I'm not going to need this anymore. And they said, oh, so you're, you're better than us. You're judging us. I said, no, I'm judging me. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I am stronger in my history with you than I am in my newness with Jesus. And in essence, I'm swapping teams. And I turned my jerseys in and put the little brother's pin on and You know, I had one or two that was kind of proud of me and one of them patted the bar stool and he said, I give you six months, you'll be right back on this bar stool. That's 40-something years ago. 40-something years ago. It's not about being better. It's about going a different direction. And those of you that are youth, I saw you, you know, coming down front and we hear y'all on Sunday and Wednesday. If you'll give me just two minutes, two or three minutes of your time, then I want to pray over us. You're at the age now where you're deciding the trajectory of your life. Your friends, your environment, all that has a lot of sway over you. But hear your pastor this morning. The decision is yours. A lot of people, I'll say our teens, you know, 13 to whatever, 20, 25. They shoot an arrow and then go draw a circle around it and say, Bullseye, that's what I wanted to be in my life. And that's not...